Hello there, and welcome to The K-Word, a professional wrestling podcast all about Kennedy, McMahon, Vincent. Uh, I'm Mitch, and joining me today, as always, we have James. Say hello. Hello. And we have Kev. Say hello. Uh. <laughs> Fantastic introduction. Uh, it has been a while since uh, we last spoke to you. It would have been about the length of Roman Reigns's suspension that we last spoke to, <laughs> but we accidentally lost an episode due to... That's the ghost episode. That is the ghost episode, which we will be talking about in more detail later is it, on. Is it K for Casper the Ghost? <laughs> <laughs> it is the Casper the Ghost episode, uh, except it wasn't friendly. My computer died, and I lost hours and hours worth of editing. And yeah. it made me incredibly sad. But, I mean, she gone through like hijinks just to not let us down by like imitating our voices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the amazing thing about that episode was though, like we were predicting Money in the Bank, and we were all in agreement about just about everything, and then everything we said came out to be true. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's it's a real shame that there's no possible documented evidence of it because yeah, we were we called it spot on about everything down the line. Every single thing right that happened at Money in the Bank, we, we said, happened on the episode we recorded just before Money in the Bank. I vividly remember you bringing up that Golden Truth would beat Breezango by working their plan. <laughs> yeah, I said, look, it's it's silly, but it's just out there enough for it to work for WWE. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. In all seriousness, I am slightly bummed that we lost all our delightful bitching about the concept of doors in cage matches yeah that was, that, uh... that was some good quality bitch content and it's <laughs> lost for all time now I have to wait until they do another cage match with a door and so we can bitch about it in the <laughs> yeah like what cage match at SummerSlam I think we can you know haul out the, the old content again and everyone will just think it's new content Yeah, it will be fantastic so since then so much has happened in the WWE. Uh, Rollins beat Reigns clean. And then Ambrose beat Rollins cashing in the money in the bank. Ambrose is champion. Oh, happy day. Like, it's genuinely a new era. They're, they're listening to us. I think. <laughs> oh, oh, but then, no, that only happened because Roman Reigns, as we alluded to earlier, failed a drugs test. And that's devastating because we genuinely were saying, wow, his condition's got a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. In in the match with Rollins, Kev and I were discussing how impressive he was in that match. I was like, oh, maybe that was why. Yeah, because we were reckoning that, that part of the cashing in the money in the bank would involve him being thrown out for a bit and getting him to, you know, yeah. have a banter nap, have a bit of a break to recover some of his energy. And we were both like, no, no, this is really good. He's done a really good, solid job. And now we know why. Roman has been off TV for um, nearly a month now. Uh, the boos have been considerably quieter. We can only assume they're going to be back even stronger on Sunday night. Which... I mean, yeah, did you hear the reaction to him when he was drafted? Oh, it was deafening boos. Yeah. Like, the only person even close to him in terms of boos was the big show and even then, <laughs> groans of annoyance yeah is that really the big show still that's that's a smarky crowd that they're playing in front of then yeah well, i mean i guess it, 
generally at the bigger events, the more hardcore fans are the ones going to it. And, you know, first live draft they've done in 14 years or whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's going to be a smarky crowd. Uh, other people having drug trouble, uh, the beast incarnate Brock Lesnar won his UFC 200 match and then failed the drugs test and failed the second drugs test. Uh, or the, the second sample has also come out negative. That's probably going to cost him a lot of money. Is and it? Like, how? Because none of his money that he received was in the form of a win bonus. Not an expert, but I think a lot of the. I think his appearance money was based on the fact that he was doing it clean, and he wasn't doing it clean, and that there are ramifications for WWE here as well, like. It might not be their wellness policy because he's only a part-time performer, but if he's found to be a, a like uh, somebody who's been doping, he could be banned from performing wrestling in certain states. Yeah, I mean that's more on America having some outdated laws from when people thought wrestling was real. Oh, absolutely. But... Like I, I assume that if that was pushed, the WWE would appeal and be able to use him while the appeals process was going on, and then it would be overturned because, of course, it's fake. Yeah. So, sorry to, to break the cable oh. for anyone listening. <laughs> uh, See, I think that the WWE's wellness policy is kind of toothless if they don't act on this. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's not subject to it because he's not a full-time performer. No. Is that so? He's yeah. not subject to it. No, he's not subject to it, and also like Triple H isn't subject to it. Vince our our episode title, Vince, isn't subject to it, which is why he looks absurd. Just before he's walked through the curtain, someone's just shoved a pump up his ass and just given it a few... Yeah, uh, so a bit of, you know, rumours and stuff from Twitter. We've got Taker did a tweet last night saying something like, he uh, was a bit angry that people were tweeting him asking why he wasn't drafted, and he was like, "I'm the Undertaker. I don't need to be drafted. I'm like, I fight whenever I want." But also said something like, "Yeah, sometimes you've got to go." Like, is that the Undertaker's retirement tweet, or is he that get over Twitter? Nah, uh, surely not. And the other guy, Luke Harper, said um, goodbye forever on Twitter. Has someone checked on him? Like, he, he just... Yeah, I think he's still alive. He just was like, I might be gone a while or something. No, that's Captain Oaks, isn't it? Uh, I may be sometime. <laughs> he, 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 he was responding to Eric Rowan or something. I forget the exact circumstances. But he didn't get drafted because he was injured. And then, while he was injured, he's tweeted this, being like, is that the last we'll see of the second most talented member of the Wyatt family? Perhaps. So, uh, that's the latest, the very latest we've got from the Twist Sphere. Shall we move on to the biggest wrestling news of the past week, which is the WWE Draft, which was shit. Yeah. What about you guys? Can you say it any more eloquently? really shit <laughs> to be fair it wasn't really shit it was just the most underwhelming way possible they could have done it on every front I mean you, you wanted to talk about sort of the theatre of it a bit Kev didn't you yeah um, I mean I remember we watched the draft in 
2002 the other day. Yeah. And On the network to get us hyped. Yeah. But that had a really good, fun feel because, and it's a really simple thing is, all of the wrestlers were there backstage. And yeah. it wasn't live, was it? It was pre-recorded. Maybe it was live. It was live. So they were all backstage and it had this, you've got this real feeling of tension because they were all there. Yeah. Um, that you just really didn't have this time. There was no, you know, oh, you know, um, for instance, the Dudleys got broken up, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And they said in this one, tag team partners can be drafted independently of each other. And it didn't happen. And there was no threat that it was going to happen. Like when it happened to um, Bubba uh, Ray. Oh, Bubba and Devon, yeah. Yeah. You could tell they were shocked or they were acting shocked, you know. Yeah. It was interesting. By the way, not to trample on your point, but can I just say, just to remind everyone, I think Vince McMahon's seventh pick in the 2002 draft was Devon Dudley. <laughs> um, okay, important message over, continue. Yeah. And that gave it a real anything could happen kind of feel. Mm. And plus they had a bit of sort of discussion beforehand backstage, didn't they? Between various people, either wanted yeah. to be drafted together or didn't want to be drafted together or wanted to go to a specific brand. That like, was the thing I really liked about it was the war rooms they had. And yes. like there was a really good narrative over that draft where Kurt Angle first was hurt that he hadn't been Vince's number one pick. <laughs> got Vince to draft him second and Vince was worried about drafting him so early and he thought that Rick would leave him and that he wanted to make sure he got the NWO before Ric Flair took them. And then Angle's like, no, 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 Rick won't take the NWO. He knows he doesn't want the NWO on his show. He knows that they're working for they're you. Poison. And then, yeah, the whole lethal dose of poison. <laughs> and then, um, you know, persuades Vince to draft him. And then Ric Flair's next pick is the NWO. And Vince's like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then Angle is trying his best to manipulate Vince while appearing to be on Vince's side the whole time. And, like... Um, by getting him to draft, for example, Chris Benoit, who was out injured at the time, and Angle knew wasn't going to be back for at least a few months yet. And so Angle was simultaneously trying to big himself, you know, big up the brand that he was on by making sure there were good people and making Vince appreciate him, while also making it so that he didn't have any real competition on the brand. And there's a really <laughs> story going Since on through like it. you pointed out that, um, you know, with the war room thing they had going on there, they made it very clear that their drafting strategy was being influenced by what the others were drafting. Yeah. And also, like you said, their drafting strategy. Yeah. There was no feeling no. for this draft of strategy. This it is... Was incredibly arbitrary. Oh, you've picked that guy. Well, in that case, my next pick will be someone entirely unrelated who I'm clearly picking because management decided yeah, they the should be on this Yeah, the bit of paper in front friend. of me says that's who I'm picking next. Yeah. This is one thing I really want to talk about. Like, Okay, so Shane is in charge of SmackDown. Shane's entire deal is new era, not the old guard. We're doing things differently here. Why were Shane's first couple of picks John Cena and Randy Orton? That that just doesn't make... I, I get that you want Orton and Cena on SmackDown. For real-life reasons, they're the old guard now. They have to do the job to put everyone else over. But it doesn't make sense for Shane to be picking those guys. It doesn't fit his character. 
He would need to have set that up. He'd need to have Cena say, you need somebody who knows this business, who hasn't been away. If they set it up with one promo like that, Mm. it would have made sense. Yeah. And, like, you know, at least having me like, I don't know if I can trust you. You know, you can easily make a little tiny bit of a story out of it. Yeah. This is the thing, is it felt like back in May or whenever it was, they decided they were going to do a draft. And then they didn't think about it other than, Okay, we want Roman on Raw and we want Cena on SmackDown. We've got our faces of both brands. Now that we've decided that, let's just put a pin on it and then we'll pick it up on the Raw before the SmackDown where the draft happens. Because there was nothing built up at any point. There's so much rich opportunity to tell stories that they just dropped the ball on. All this build-up to Battleground... They could have been focusing on, like, and this could be the last time, like, with, I know they ended up on the same brand, which is stupid, but we'll get to that in a moment. They could have been, <laughs> Zayn and Owens have been, you know, just ruining... Feuding for years. years. ...as they feud, and just to complete detriment of each other, where, like, Owens is going to have a match, and then Zayn immediately interferes, and just, you know, vice versa, and so on. And now, finally, they might be broken up, but Battleground, they will fight one more time, and, you know... They are going to fight forever. That's it. I, I can only hope that they deliberately made Raw's draft look good because they want to put Stephanie over because it's Stephanie booking it. And then one of Owens and Zane's going to lose a loser leaves Raw match and just they're sort of going to balance it that way. I mean, I mean I'm mean i skipping ahead. But... Yeah, I mean, just looking back to the, the um, 2002 draft, that's the one that I will keep comparing it to. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's the only one that's been like this. The only other drafts have been like random swaps between the brands. The, the only actual sort of trade of any sort was when Triple H got drafted to SmackDown. Oh. And then by SmackDown, they negotiated a deal where he got traded back for both Dudleys and Booker T. <laughs> well, bad, bad I was trips. Say, there were people that were really invested in being in one brand or the other. Like, for instance, The Rock obviously wanted to be on SmackDown because it's SmackDown. I think he was the first pick, wasn't he? Yeah. And... You could tell the relief and the pride of being the first pick of that. And it was just, there was so much emotion there for all of it, you know. And I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. I really am. Like, even the way it started with Linda McMahon reading the rules of the draft like it was some kind of uh, emergency broadcast or something. Yeah. It just was really exciting, even though I knew what was going to happen, you know. Yeah, I knew yeah. what the end result was going to be. I just hadn't seen it happen. Whereas this, even though I didn't know the outcome, it it didn't matter. There was no drama. No. You really got the impression that it was set in stone. It's going to be like this. That's fine. Whereas the other one, when you're watching it, it was like a, you know, you felt like anything could happen. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just more of the same stagnant WWE content but now split over two live shows rather than one. Sorry, just to say one last general bit of bitchiness before we go down point by point, <laughs> is that it really summarises to me why this draft was a bad idea. When you look at the two uh, brands now, because not only do they both look weak from lack of star power, 
but they also basically both look the same. Like, obviously, the people on them are different, but there's nothing to say, oh, well, SmackDown was going to be this type of show and Raw is going to be this type of show. It's Raw's going to be the same as it was, only with fewer people on it, yeah. and SmackDown's going to be the same as it was, only live with fewer people on it. Yeah, there's... They, there's no identity. They've just managed to, like, in the bid to try and make SmackDown get more ratings by being live and having stuff that actually matters on it, all they've done is managed to water down both shows. Both shows. Because it's, it's, it genuinely is astounding to me how like, bland and crap it is. Like, the actual... There were very few picks where it's like, oh, well, what the fuck did they do that for? Like, in a vacuum. But as an overall continuous draft, it was just appallingly crap. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, really? I, just, I just had to get that off my chest before we went <laughs> No, we're, we're all being negative tonight. That's... Uh, usually I try and bring the vibe up, but tonight, no. All we can do is shit all over this draft and then say, <laughs> Battleground might be the last good pay-per-view of 2016. Uh, and... Uh, just one last point I'm going to make, uh, and it's not my point, it's uh, good old JR's point. He said, we can't judge the draft now. We have to judge whether this draft is a success on whether WrestleMania 33 is a success. Which is is good long-term thinking. So at the moment, it looks like it's really bad. But if... WrestleMania's son. <laughs> what? I mean, WrestleMania son. They don't like referring to them by numbers because Vince McMahon says that it makes it oh, seem like it's a yeah. thing with legacy and history and pride <laughs> behind it. So, yeah. if if next year's WrestleMania is a is goes down as better than WrestleMania 17, like <laughs> this draft was a great idea. If if this year's WrestleMania is better, if the next WrestleMania is better than last year's WrestleMania. I again think the draft can be considered a success. If it's better than any WrestleMania between the brand split starting and like WrestleMania 25, 26 sort of time, I will be very impressed. <laughs> so, with that aside, the, we can't truly judge this until next April. Uh, let's judge the shit out of this. It was crap. Pick one <laughs> for each brand. Uh, Stephanie on Raw took Seth Rollins, and uh, Shane on SmackDown took Dean Ambrose. And given how the rest of the draft went, poor, poor Dean Ambrose. He was given that he got the WWE Championship. He was the he was the man. He was the face of the company for just a very, very short period. And it's clear that he was he only got that from one. Roman getting suspended, and two, the draft was happening, so there's going to be a better belt on Raw very soon anyway. I feel so sorry for him because he he's one of the hardest workers and he's been dicked all over with this. I mean, I don't mind it just because, first of all, I appreciate that unlike pretty much every other draft that was made, there was an actual story behind it in that, of course, the first priority for both brands is they want to draft the champion. And Stephanie had taken the time to proclaim Seth Rollins as the champion the show before. And she hates Dean Ambrose, which has been long established, and loves Seth Rollins, which has been long established. And so 
I like that, like, they gave a credible reason why the champ wouldn't be the first pick, but at the same time, he was SmackDown's first pick, because they're not stupid. And it just, I like that, it made sense. Yeah, the first, first two picks, strong, strong logic for both of them. There was a championship match that night, Steph thought Seth was going to win, Shane picked Dean, because it's the obvious choice. If they carried on with that kind of psychology and storytelling all night, the draft would have been amazing. Yeah. But... But they did not. <laughs> but yeah, the, I don't mind Dean on SmackDown just because he's been someone that has consistently looked like he's threatening to get in the main event, but they always have him lose because they have someone they just like a little bit more who's yeah. been ahead of him. And typically that someone has been Roman Reigns. And now Roman's on the opposite brand. And if Roman was always going to go to Raw, which meant that Dean, like if he knew what was good for him, definitely wanted Had to go to, to be SmackDown. SmackDown. Yeah. And he'll spend a year getting over and being the face of SmackDown. And then next year when they start doing the annual draft lottery, he'll mysteriously go to Raw. Because that's what happened every draft lottery <laughs> or took SmackDown's top guys. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Kep, anything more on Seth and Dean or shall we move on? I think we can move on to uh, Raw's second pick, which okay. is Charlotte. Good pick. Uh, it uh, Again, it fits Steph's character. She's the... The character of liking to take credit for the women. Take credit for the women. So let's have... Charlotte Flair as and and uh, she needs a champion and that I kind of think this choice kind of elevates the women's division to well it obviously elevates the women's division above the IC and the US championship. Yeah, I was very impressed. I was very pleased that they did that. I thought that was fantastic. Um what I was confused about is we assumed that that meant that women would go raw. Which hmm. made sense, you know, 3 hour show. You know, yeah. That, There's it, more time to show the women do stuff. Yeah, it and sounds the, like... their roster really isn't deep enough to be split across two brands. The male roster's not deep enough to be split across two brands. The significantly bigger than the female. <laughs> yeah, and that's huge. And the women's roster definitely isn't big enough to be split across two brands, but... Well, uh, this makes sense, you know. Okay, yeah, they've got three hours. Maybe they can have, you know, an hour of women. That'd be awesome. Okay. Um, let's let's see how that goes. And they've also got the cruiserweights on war. Okay, yeah. that'll be fine. So we were talking about this kind of stuff. Um, so I guess we'll come back to where this thought is uh, dangling in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> My one criticism of the Charlotte pick, I really liked that they picked her that early. I like how much it elevates the women's division, how seriously it takes her, etc. I do think it was weird, given that they'd established that both brands were vying to make sure they had the champion, that they left Roman Reigns a few picks. Like, it didn't make sense to me that Raw would want to give SmackDown a chance to get the second, you know, a second person in that triple threat. And it didn't make sense to me then that SmackDown didn't take him. Nah, fuck Roman Reigns. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to, you know, cry any rivers. <laughs> but just from a logic standpoint, it was like, yeah. Well, they could have done thinking about the storyline, they could have easily had Shane actually drafting with strategy, and Stefan Foley not being able to get on. Mm. 
and that being a way of having having them make erratic drafting choices to make up for the fact that Raw had an extra pick every five. Yeah. Shit, we didn't even cover the fact that Daniel Bryan and Foley are general managers now. Daniel Bryan and Foley are general managers now. Yeah. What? Like, why would Stephanie pick Mick Foley? That I get why Shane picks Daniel Bryan, but Steph picking Mick Foley's a terrible idea from Steph's point of view. Yeah, it really is. She should... I mean, it's an obvious choice for her would be Triple H, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I... As long as we don't get hours of Steph and Foley skits, I'm happy that Foley's back on TV, as long as his role is kept to a minimum. But, yeah, no sense. Nonsense. The other good choice considering how early they planned for Raw to draft Charlotte, would just be her to take Ric Flair. No, I'd rather Foley than Flair. I would rather that, but I'm just thinking <laughs> from a story standpoint. I don't think they could trust to give Flair a live mic with that much airtime. No. Yeah, They can't trust Flair to be at ringside without sexually assaulting a, a female wrestler. Like They can't trust him to be cutting 20-minute promos every Raw. I, I love Foley, I really do, and I'm glad to see him back. But like you say, I'm scared of what could happen in terms of. I'm looking forward to him wearing a shirt that says "General Manager," but with like the Adger going down the side and it just saying "Good Man." Oh. I do. I think Foley's going to be very funny on Raw because whenever Foley's been commissioner, he's always been really funny. Which uh, I hope that they they just sort of say, "Sod." logical storyline progression in 2016 we've got foley let's just do a commissioner nostalgia trip yeah and then in like six months or whatever he'll burn out that's fine you can get a general manager that makes sense then if you're already going to insult our intelligence with so many other things at least give us funny little skits yeah he's on the same brand as enzo and cat at at least give us foley in a golf cart like backstage (laughs) as if Foley's in a golf cart backstage on the next Raw. I'm staying up every Monday night to watch Raw. Like, that's... Because Foley as commissioner is the funniest thing ever. And there are funny people on the roster to do that with. I really want him and Jericho, like the current (laughs) heel Jericho, to have skits backstage. Jericho, like, him booking Jericho in, you know, a match against whoever it is that Jericho doesn't want to be booked in a match against that day, and then Jericho being like, you stupid idiot! And, like, and it just it writes itself. Foley with the oh, little hammer. Sorry? Foley with the little hammer when he makes a match. Uh, yeah. oh, it's it's going to be so great. Sorry, I interrupted. Foley and Owens. I, I was literally going to say that. I, I know. I, I stole your thought. You shouldn't have highlighted it. You gave your game away. I'm so I angry. I highlighted that to say that is going to be amazing. Kevin Owens and Mick Foley would be really funny. And what I really hope they don't do is put him with Roman Reigns and try to have him endorse Roman. They will. That's I know. Exactly that's what why do. I've said that. This is why I said that I wasn't sure if it's, you know, I was thinking that they would have been off quite soon they would be left with Steph I don't know what I wanted but I'm oh they are just going to ruin Foley alright let's power through these picks the next one came from Smackdown and they picked AJ Styles big pick for the man like Mr TNA thing about Roman not going yet being weird aside and also 
given that Cena was going to SmackDown, I find it weird, pleasantly so, but weird that AJ was picked before him. Like, yeah, it makes AJ look good. Makes AJ look amazing. It gets the Cena and Styles thing to keep going, which I'm all for. Like, I I really like watching Cena and Styles wrestle each other. Yeah, you got to assume that at Battleground, like, I know we're going to do predictions later, but like the club's going to go over as the last hurrah. But then it's going to be the story of AJ has been separated from them and he can't rely on them for help going into the blow-up. Yeah, you know the above match. But maybe by that point, the club have aligned with someone else. Uh, perhaps even Raw's uh, fifth pick, Finn Balor, coming up from NXT. Uh, welcome to the main roster, Finn. Yeah, I mean, they put him over really, really hard by having... You know, if you'd said... Like, I mean, if you just look at this list of the next drafters, yeah. it goes Finn Balor, then in order, Roman Reigns, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton. Yeah, Finn Balor is more valuable to WWE, apparently, than Roman Reigns, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, and Randy Orton. That's a hell of a yeah. thing to this carry. It's a perfect thing where they needed to have the erratic drafting be a thing. Hmm. Like, at least have it be that Foley is making bizarre yeah. decisions. Or This was something I was going to say as well. We were talking about SmackDown being the new era. Like... Tell that story. If you're going to like la- create that label, tell a story of it. Because this was Stephanie talking about how progressive she was because she was going to look to the future and bring up Finn Balor. And it just... And that's exactly what they were saying about SmackDown being... Yeah, the... that's that's going to be Shane's shtick. Sh- yeah. And Gimmick infringement. Say Shane's next two draft picks are John Cena and Randy Orton. <laughs> yeah. It, like... Did the scripts just get mixed up one day and Steph was meant to be manager of SmackDown and Shane was meant to be manager of Raw and they were like, we've gone live on TV now, we've got to change all this. Like, All of Steph's picks seem like they're the new era picks and Shane's picks seem like this is the the old guard. Like, it, There's no consistency with these characters and it's... Like they they had such an opportunity, a lot like uh, a Royal Rumble. You can make stories about what happens in the Royal Rumble that roll out for months afterwards. They could have made stories that roll out for months afterwards from this draft, and they they had an open goal and they hit circle too hard and spooned it wide. <laughs> yeah, it's like. They had a storyline where all they had to do was put up a candidate that's capable of beating Hillary Clinton in a general <laughs> election, and they picked Trump. <laughs> Funny, I was thinking uh, all you had to do was put up a candidate capable of beating Theresa May, and they picked Corbyn. Oh, oh, it works for any country. It works for politics. So, uh, <laughs> next three and picks. For, for those from foreign lands listening to the podcast, that was satire. Yes. Next three picks after Sword Finn. Top. We don't think Baron Corbin either. <laughs> <laughs> after after Finn, uh, Roman Reigns goes to Raw. Apparently, booze around the stadium. Uh, but at least Raw's got a big face now. <laughs> yeah. uh, John heel Seth Rollins. <laughs> yeah. John Cena goes to SmackDown, which I think we all saw coming. It was time for him to take a step 
to the side. No, to let Reigns do his, his face business. Apparently. This is uh, something that made me sad during the draft. They had uh, matches during yeah. it. And Cena came out with a red armband and a blue armband. And it was briefly sort of like, oh, I could be drafted either way. Yeah. That was it. He didn't seem to give a crap. What, no. What brand no preference on. whatsoever. John Cena's pretty historically SmackDown, though, isn't it? He was SmackDown when he debuted. And... Well, I mean, he was drafted to Raw in 2005, and then, except counting when he was drafted to SmackDown and back in the same night, he stayed on Raw until the draft split ended. So he was on Raw for, like, three times as long as he was on SmackDown. Oh. But he's still associated with... That's my, that's yeah, my poor knowledge. Because his, his first big, big feud was Cena jbl Yeah, he, he on SmackDown. the main event on SmackDown. And then, we'll, then they did their thing of, oh, we created a main eventer, let's move them to Raw. So what I was thinking was, if he'd just come out and said something to Shane, or if he'd come out wearing blue, or wearing red, fuck it. Like, hmm. just have him have some kind of... Because as it was, no one really gave a crap. Yeah. Apart from one guy, yeah. afterwards. Yeah, we'll get to him later. Um, but yeah. it would be really nice just to have something, you know, make it so the rest of them more three-dimensional. They care about things outside of the next match. Three dimensions yeah. is pushing it. Uh, a, dime- <laughs> a dimension would be nice to start <laughs> off with. Uh, not just a human with fists. Yeah. Uh, speaking of fists, Brock. Yeah, speaking of a huge a tank with fists, uh, Brock. I definitely didn't funny. fail that drug test, Lesnar. Uh, yeah, went to Raw. He's a part-time performer. Why was he even in the draft? Yeah, he only ever participates in like you know multi you know the dual brand events anyway. Yeah, Brock Lesnar's not appearing on fucking. It felt like we have to have Raw have a big draft name here because otherwise it will look silly. So, um, no, you're, but... you're absolutely right. They needed someone big there because look, who else they've got? Who, who could they have done? Sami Zayn? But then he would have gone before. Well, he did go for Kevin Owens, but you know what I mean. Like Kevin Owens actually would have been a better shout there, right? Yeah, or like Cesaro who got drafted woefully <laughs> low. But again, again, we'll get to that. But yeah, like. They they just had to have a placeholder that made it so that Steph and Foley didn't look stupid for drafting a nobody. Instead, they look stupid for drafting a part-timer. Again, easy fix. Have Foley talk about how he's fought Jericho in the past. Mm. And have him pick Jericho. Pick yeah. another woman. Pick Sasha Banks. Yeah. Go, I want my, I want my women's division to be uh, competitive. Then they wouldn't have had that nice exchange where... Mick got to go, it seems Shane's forgotten there are women in this competition, and then Shane got to be like, oh, we know you and women, you big old creep. Mm. That's what we call banter. <laughs> by, by the way, since you brought that up, holy fuck was the banter terrible. It was awful. It felt horrendously scripted. Like, Seth Rollins goes as the first pick, and Shane McMahon says, oh, it seems like you've got CrossFit Jesus onto Raw then, didn't you? But the like he so obviously practiced saying it that he sort of said it really awkwardly and then stumbled over it. And then because Stephanie can't help herself, she drew attention to the fact that Shane stumbled over it. 
And it's just like, this is off to the worst possible start. You know what? Something that's really bugging me about the McMahons is sibling rivalry is complicated. It's not just two people, like, sniping at each other, is it? No. Well... As in this case, yeah. it just doesn't feel like there's any depth to their rivalry. It's almost like they are just business partners who don't like each other and bitch at each other, you know? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we're talking about a family that has had, like, the father yeah. say, like, beat up the son and say, I'll never forgive your mother for giving birth to you, has involved the father beat up the daughter, um... We've had, had him suggest an incest storyline between the siblings, and then when that was shot down... Sorry, between him and Stephanie, and then when that was shot down, propose one between Ste- Shane and Stephanie instead. And tr- I'm not saying that they, they, they're basing their uh, performances on real life. No, but I'm just saying I could believe anything with them. Vince like, is a mad, mad bastard. Like, I think they don't understand how to have a proper sibling rivalry because they don't understand how to live a proper life. Yeah. Because, like, they just seem to, like, strongly dislike each other. Whereas a proper sibling rivalry is a combination of fierce hatred and a desire to just get on with the person, you know, because you actually do deep down have to love them. Yeah. And it's just, it feels like it's missing that. Anyway, as Absolutely. we're on pick eight of 59, do we want to pick yeah, the let's, for the let's next? push right through. We, we've got most of the big points out of the way now about how it was shit. Now we can just sort of dash through. So Orton so, came Excuse back. me, yeah. Orton's back on SmackDown. Let's all fall asleep. Uh, Orton, Ambrose. Yeah, all right. Uh, New Day. Uh, the oh, tag one last thing on Orton. Yeah. It depresses me to no end that... Within the first four picks, SmackDown basically confirmed that the Cena Orton rivalry will continue for all eternity. Yeah, I, I can't believe I can't believe I'm going to get to see Orton and Cena fight at some point. Like, yeah, it's, it's this generation's Austin Rock. Except it is not. Uh, New Day and go, tag team champs go to Raw. Yeah, cool. Sami Zayn goes to Raw. Cool. I was surprised by how early Sami Zayn went. Like, Especially given... since Raw was also going to draft Kevin Owens. Yeah, that Zayn got picked pick six for Raw and Owens got picked pick 11 for Raw when Owens has been represented as higher up the card than Sami Zayn. That's strange. Give uh, Raw needs a face. Give a face a boost. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I dislike it, just it was strange. Yeah. Right, give a face a boost. Take Enzo and Cass. Tag t- tag faces though, yeah. They need it. Cesaro. Cesaro, yeah. Cesaro. Uh, next SmackDown pick is Bray Wyatt. Uh, cool. Bray, I think, can do good things on SmackDown. Yeah, there's fewer people above him in the card for him to lose to, so he gets more of a chance to look scary. I think that it was strange that they took Braun Strowman away from him. Well, like they've, but they've how tried did he having get his push without. <laughs> we all know <laughs> who made that decision. Well, right. yes. But they've tried taking the cult leaders, cult subjects Sorry, away from him before. Sorry, who made the decision? Vince. Vince. Big. Big uh, our episode's namesakes. Can, can have a push. Bland strongman. Uh, but yeah, I, they've tried taking away his cult followers before, and it wor- worked so well that they gave them back to him within a few months. So I think that probably the same will happen again. But I think 
within a year, we'll be seeing. Uh, we wish Braun Strowman all the best in his future endeavors. Oh, I don't know. I think they'll stick it out longer than. <laughs> I think about a year from now is when his comedy character shtick will be starting to lose steam. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Santino Varela. No, he's he's the next great Carly. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, Except he's not Indian, so he won't reach into a niche market and therefore be kept on far longer than it makes sense for someone with those bad knees. And to have his own gimmick matches when he can literally do one move, which is a chop. Oh, <laughs> great Carly on SmackDown was so bad. Uh, <laughs> moving on to people who can actually wrestle. Sasha Banks goes to Raw as their eighth pick, 13th overall. Very uh, good, thumbs up. Yeah. But then SmackDown drafts Becky Lynch. Uh, the fuck? Keep the women on one brand. I want one entirely male brand. <laughs> Sorry. Well, uh, when you put it like that, <laughs> I would absolutely love for there to be enough women to have two brands. Like, that is definitely the ideal, but we're not there yet. Like, I get that they drafted a ton of women up from NXT to help mitigate that, but even with the three new women, we're still not there yet give it more time, and then maybe have that be a storyline a few months from now, how the women are only on one brand, and have, like, Shane negotiate. Like, maybe Shane, like, after Sasha Banks wins the belt or whatever, Shane negotiates to bring her to SmackDown, and then that creates a storyline where some of the women stay on Raw and some of them chase the belt over to SmackDown, and then the ones that remain on Raw have a new tournament to determine a new champion, and then you get those two rosters. But Right now, no. No. Okay, uh, read into these next three picks as you will, but Chris Jericho is apparently more valuable than Rusev, the US champion, and The Miz, the Intercontinental champion. Jericho and Rusev go to Raw, uh, the IC belt, with The Miz goes to SmackDown. Why did Jericho go before these two? What confuses me is Raw gets two picks in a row. So, sorry, James pointed out earlier that they should really have drafted, say, for example, Rusev at the end of one set of five and The Miz at the start of the next. Yeah. So yeah. then they'd have both titles, and that would basically force SmackDown's hand to have to take... Zack Ryder or Darren Young. And then you get a storyline like SmackDown have to hope and pray that one of them is able to win the title so that their uh, brand has a mid-card belt. And you get a storyline in two otherwise pretty much meaningless title matches on Battleground. Whereas right now, the fact that they, after Rusev went to Raw, Shane was like, oh, well, we have to take the Miz on to SmackDown. And it's like, yeah, but now that you've done that, don't you want to try and like catch those number one contenders? And neither Zack Ryder nor Darren Young went on the televised draft. That's because neither of them are going to win. I know it's not. I know it's because neither of them are going to. Like, Zack Ryder went after the Ascension <laughs> televised drop. And it's like, pretend that he might be your next United States champion. The Vaudevillains went after the Ascension as well. Yeah, they did. Shocking. Shocking. They went after the Shining Stars, if we want to play that game. <laughs> All right. Uh,. So, yeah, there, there are splits. US belt on Raw, IC on SmackDown. Fine. They both need a mid-card belt. We were saying in 
not the last episode we were that doesn't exist the last the last actual episode how good the IC division's been and I feel it's poorer now it's a shame like because the people that we said made the IC division great are all on Raw except the champion mm. but hopefully that just means the US division can be really good and the IC division they'll find a workaround like, maybe Kalisto can win the belt from the middle <laughs> can feud for the Intercontinental belt instead of the US one. Yeah, and then they can have him exclusively feud with guys much bigger than him. Um, yeah, and then Miz can go back to feuding with Dolph Ziggler. We will need to talk about why he's not in the Cruiserweights. Yeah, we will. Uh, you it's because he's off to do good lucha stuff. <laughs> good lucha stuff. That's the name of the new division uh, on SmackDown. reference to... After... Um, everyone was drafted they uh like did an interview on the uh, uh like the network draft show and there were some really good interviews which we'll get to but Kalisto basically completely forgot how to do an interview and he ended up talking about how he was excited to be on Smackdown because it'll give him a chance to do good lucha <laughs> stuff oh bless his heart mm. It's, it's, look it up if you haven't seen it. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. And by wonderful, I mean absolutely appalling, but Excellent. in a good way. Right. Let's hammer through some more picks. Uh, Raw goes for big KO. Great. How did he get drafted so late? It's it's insulting. He, he should be on the cusp of being in the main event. and He yeah. will be. He's on Raw. He's going to be in the main event soon what, enough. The only thing I loved about how late Kevin Owens was drafted is that he had his like he came out for his match that got stopped because Sami Zayn interfered. But he came out for his match before he'd been drafted, and on his way to the ring, he just yelled at both Stephanie and Foley and Shane and Brian, "Why haven't you drafted me yet? I should be your number one pick. Why have you not drafted me yet?" And it was hilarious and awesome. But he then wasn't drafted in that next set of draft picks. Like that was before the third lot of draft picks, and then he was drafted at the end of the fourth lot of draft picks. It's just, it made no sense. Uh, There's something else I want to say, just while we're talking about this. The wrestling that happened on the draft show should have impacted the draft. Yeah. But it didn't. Like, the wrestling that happened seemed to be just like, oh, if you're not able to keep up with the draft because you have, you know... You're not able to follow this. Uh, here's some wrestling. And uh, anyway, back to the draft. It felt so separate. Yeah. Whereas they could easily have had a match where, just chuck one in the middle where the winner gets to decide what brand they're on. Yeah. Or have the people doing the drafting discuss the match and be like, Based on oh, his shit. performance in that match, I'm going to draft X wrestler. Yeah. Rather than, okay, now that that's over. Like, okay, perfect example. First of all, I want to bitch about this anyway. But Owens was going to have a match with Kane, and then Sami Zayn came out to attack Owens. Owens and Zayn brawl for a bit, and then Kane choke slammed both of them, and that was the end of the segment. Uh, so, first of all, as what shit. the fuck? Like, way to put over your new guys by having old guy that's barely been seen for the last six months choke slam both of them at the same time. It just looked. It made both Owens and Zayn look like complete dweebs. But. That happened right before the third lot of draft picks, where the very first pick was Sami Zayn. And it's like, 
you just saw this loser get choke slammed what like with one hand by a guy that's barely been featured why are you drafting him this early before either of your champions before the guy that choke slammed them like yeah so Fucking madness. I mean, it'd be great if someone came out and briefly spoke to Shane, for example, or no, I think it worked better with Stephanie, and she goes, I would have drafted you next. Then they lose, mm. and she's like, actually, no, I don't want you. Mm. And then, then that set something up, you know. Yeah, that she... not only tells a better story throughout the show, but sets up a story for the future. And so even if that person ends up being in the really low down drafts, it's already pissed them off and set something up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, let's get back. Right, Kevin Owens goes to Raw. Baron Corbin goes to SmackDown. Uh, cool. Yeah, I don't know. An early pick, but not necessarily a bad thing. They're going to take him seriously, which is good. He's finally kicking off that new age thing he was talking about, that new uh, era. Yeah, is that the first like new guy that he's drafted? Yeah. And yeah. there's AJ, who's kind of new, but kind of not. And there's Ambrose, who he drafted because he's the champ. Yeah. And then Becky Lynch, I guess. And presumably we get to pick who, from the rest of the guys, who Corbin is fighting in the hair versus hair at SummerSlam. Oh, that's that's a couple of SmackDown picks lower down. <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, then we get some tag teams on the go. Enzo and Cass go to Raw, of course. Like, Big Vinnie Mac loves Ca- Big Cass. Fine. Uh, Gallows and Anderson go to Raw. Ooh, the club has been split up. I wonder if they're going to ally with someone else. He's talking about Finn Balor. (laughs) (laughs) That is pro podcasting from the K-word right there. Uh, And then American Alpha go to SmackDown. What the fuck? I mean, I like that they got featured in the draft. Um, I think they're going to be awesome. I worry about the fact that the... The best tag teams broadly went to Raw. Yeah, but well, American Alpha versus the Usos. Like, I don't care. I mean, this again would be another really good thing to show dramatically. It would be to have the NXT guys sitting in a room together. Yeah. Like, really Which sh- they did. They, they had. They, they had just show it on TV. What? Yeah, there were loads of pictures of all the guys in NXT. There was a huge round of applause when Finn got uh, drafted from the entire NXT locker room. But you had to, like, follow WWE on Vine to see that. Yeah, and, like, they put up a YouTube video of the reaction when Nia Jax was drafted and how um, she wasn't even really paying attention because she just assumed she wasn't being drafted. And then did she got drafted and it was like, oh, my God, and, like, she just like broke down and cried basically with how happy she was. And Did they you know were... she's the Rock's cousin? Yeah. She is the Rock's cousin, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they did all this good stuff on YouTube. Good luck finding it. Yeah. It's, it's just fucking shite. And then, you know, Raw went all out on their 14th pick and they took, you know, man of consistent character, the big show. I mean, it makes sense, because you want your brand's match at WrestleMania to be the main event. (laughs) You know, that's going to be the winner of the Royal Rumble. (laughs) This show is so big, there's no way anyone could get him over the top rope. So, it makes sense. I don't understand what's going on with Big Show. He's just something I cannot explain. Well, 
it's the big show. Oh. He's, it's the big bad show tonight, yo. And bad show is the epitome of raw. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, the the winner of the hair versus hair at uh, SummerSlam versus uh, Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler goes to SmackDown. I mean, a feud as epic as theirs can't just be ended meaninglessly as battlegra- uh, Battleground. It's like the Zane Owens one. You've got to keep the fight forever. Thing keep going. it going. And yeah, so we've got to have hair versus hair at SummerSlam. We point out when we were talking about this feud, I think it might have been on the Phantom cast. We were saying about how, um, like I think you were saying, Jack, how maybe when the roster split happens, it will force them to get more creative with these feuds. And I just said it would give Ziggler even fewer people to, to fight, and he'd be <laughs> fighting Corbin even more. And now, even though they've not had a single match or a single show since the split, I'm already pretty certain I'm right. Yeah, no, you are exactly right. I was, I was naive, and you were cynical. And when it came to WWE, you were For right. Sure. Now I have a slight problem with this one because okay. um, Bailey was eligible to be drafted as far as the storyline goes. Yes. Right? But someone drafted Nia Jax above? I mean, the notable ones that weren't drafted were Samoa Joe, Shinsuke Nakamura, The Revival, uh, Asuka, and Bailey, who are all the champions, and then NXT, spoiler alert, their number one contenders. So... But all they had to do is make a rule that you couldn't draft the yeah, champion or the number one contender. This is exactly what I was going to say. Is I assume on NXT they will address it because NXT isn't a shit show. <laughs> But also uh, have Regal saying, you know, I was able to get protection for my main matches because these guys can be drafted up late, like it can be called up later, but I needed to preserve my takeover Brooklyn card. But they also, Battleground, Sasha Banks hasn't got a tag team partner yet, has she? No. For Charlotte and Dana Brooke. Uh, it's currently TBD. Uh, should that be TBB? Oh, the, the to be Bailey. Brilliant Bailey. Uh, like we we've just had all this draft drama, and then whoa, everyone's like losing their shit because Bailey doesn't come up, even though she's clearly the best, second best women's wrestler in WWE at the minute, and then she makes her debut on Battleground instead. Does that steal Sasha's momentum? Who knows. But that's that's my call for when we talk about this match later on. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you later on. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, Nia Jax. I don't mind Nia Jax coming up to Raw. Uh, yeah. never... Oh, I didn't mind her coming up at all. Yeah. On the one hand, I don't think she's ready. But on the other hand, I think that she's as ready as she'll ever be. She'll figure the rest out as it goes along. She's, and she's... she's different. It's good to get someone like her on the roster for several reasons. Good stuff. <laughs> She's The Rock's cousin, so she's my pick to win the Royal Rumble next year. <laughs> it's a small thing, but she, she visibly looks quite different to the others, so mm. that's nice to have a... Another body shape represented. It's the same way you've yeah. got Bray Wyatt, and that's a good thing that someone like that can be made to seem a threat in the same world. Oh, well, you've someone... seen him recently, right? Well, yeah, he's but I mean... Pretty... Okay, sorry. Fair yeah, like compared to, you know, like Roman Reigns or... But it's you have some people that you can anticipate being quicker, some people anticipate being stronger. It's mm. good to see that it's not all going to be the same bland, you know, oh. uh, same thing you're used to. You're going to have some 
what appears on the surface to be raw power and strength. You know, yeah. someone that looks like it'd actually hurt if they hit you real bad. <laughs> Variety is the something of something. Yeah. Yeah. One last thing on that Rock's cousin thing, though, is loads of people have speculated that the only reason Charlotte's been pushed as the face of the women's division is because she's Ric Flair's daughter. And for those people, I think it'll be interesting to see which conspiracy theory they push harder if it's <laughs> Ric Flair's daughter. Oh, could you imagine the WrestleMania intergender tag match? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Uh, with uh, with Reigns, who's taken a, a significant drop down the card. Oh, I, I was picturing The Rock and... Uh, oh, no, no. Charlotte the Rock. The Rock in the figure eight. <laughs> Rock trying to put in his really crap sharpshooter, which is he's so bad at the sharpshooter. Uh, yeah, that that's WrestleMania 33. We'll, we will uh, come back to that. Uh, let's we, talk we about Nia Jax to learn how to do a shit sharpshooter. <laughs> like when they had Brett and Natalia do it to Rick and Charlotte, <laughs> the Rock and Nia Jax do really, really Rick, slapdash versions. Rick doesn't bend anymore. <laughs> you can't put him in a sharpshooter. It's okay, neither do people in the Rock's sharpshooters. <laughs> <laughs> it's never, never ever been an issue how flexible you are. Uh, let's move on to not only the man Gravity forgot, the man that the WWE Universe forgot, Neville. He's on Raw. Yeah, I mean, they said they wanted to push a cruiserweight division. I imagine he'll be the face of that division. He needs to finish his match with Jericho. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Natalia... on the same show. Exactly. Natalia goes to SmackDown. Cool. She uh, and Becky Lynch are going to feud for the next year, aren't they? Yes, they are. Um, WrestleMania pre-show... Uh, no, SummerSlam pre-show, it's Natalia and Becky Lynch. WrestleMania pre-show, it's Natalia and Becky Lynch. And... Continuing their best of 973 <laughs> series. Promos for days. Um, until Mickey James makes a surprise return. Maybe we could get an intergender tag match of, like, Natalia and Corbin versus Becky Lynch and Ziggler. <laughs> that is going to be a SmackDown headline uh, uh, match at some point in the next six months. That's guaranteed to happen. Uh, going below, like, Natalia, Neville, Nia Jax, Dolph Ziggler, Big Show, uh, The Miz, Cesaro, the most handsome man in the co- in the company, goes only just on the live show. Okay, several things I want to unpack with this one. First of all, why the fuck is he so low? Like, seriously, this guy should be on the cusp of the main event. Why the fuck is he so low? Second of all, why is he on Raw? Like, there are so many people that they clearly value more than him above him on Raw. On SmackDown, he would have been a really, really valuable asset to their upper mid-card, and he's not going to be there. He's just going to be a jobber on Raw, and that sucks. Thirdly, um, it really pisses me off that like, he had a match with Jericho on this show, and it was after Jericho had been picked before Cesaro had been. And just as I was saying to Keb that it was actually kind of clever booking in that they can hype up the fact that Jericho's already been drafted and that maybe he's a bit complacent about it and how Cesaro can get some of his heat back from not having been drafted yet by beating Jericho and that they can then use that and have Cesaro get drafted soon because it's like, oh, well, if he's already beaten someone that's been drafted, clearly we're undervaluing him. 
let's get him now. And just as I was propounding that theory to Keb, uh, that's when Jericho reversed the springboard uppercut into the code breaker and then won. And it's like, great, yeah, you've, you've done the exact opposite and made Cesaro look like a dweeb in the Sami Zayn Kevin Owens club. You know, if they wanted to do that, have him come away from that match looking injured. Yeah. If they were going to draft him that low and didn't want to make him look like an absolute idiot, have him leave clearly injured. Yeah, is is uh, Cesaro still wearing the tape around the shoulders or is that gone now? I think he was. I think he was. I can't remember for sure. But, but they easily could have had him come away looking injured and that could explain why he gets drafted so low and not have it negatively affect him so badly. Yeah. Because at least then, the, you know, the two or the four drafters would be like, oh, he could be out for a few weeks. We don't have time for that. Yeah. Yeah. But, so... Um, wanted to say about Cesaro. Oh, sorry, Jack. Oh, right, I, I was going to move on. So you say your last bit on Cesaro. We were talking before about people doing interviews on the network. S- seek out Cesaro's interview. He basically, as far as I could tell, cut a shoot promo. Amazing. Where he, amongst other things, said he wanted to be on SmackDown because they'd been talking about how um, SmackDown was going to be the wrestling show and how that fit him and how he was confused about which show he was on, but whatever, he was going to, you know, look to see the positives and how he was on the flagship show. And, you know, it still felt weird to him and, like, he wasn't being deployed properly, but that's been how he's felt for most of his time here. He also... um, He does not give a shit. He was asked... Mm by the interviewer whether how he thought Mick Foley and Stephanie McMahon were going to be able to coexist and he said like I'm going to paraphrase him but he essentially said honestly you asking me that that's part of the problem because (laughs) frankly I don't care I'm here in this company because I value wrestling and I think the focus should be on the superstars you know Raw's building a great brand we've got me we've got Finn Balor going early you know Neville, Chris Jericho, people should be asking me questions about these people and how I'm looking forward to wrestling them. They shouldn't be asking me about what I think about Mick Foley and Stephanie McMahon. Far too much time is spent by non-wrestlers talking. And I'm glad, in fact, that I've been given this chance to, to talk. I usually don't get the chance to because, you know, maybe a few of my words I don't say properly because I can speak five languages. Maybe I'm not amazing at speaking English but I can speak it as one of my five languages but because it's not perfect they get me to shut up and wrestle and maybe if they get me to shut up and wrestle that's because people tune in to watch wrestling and so I don't I just want Stephanie McMahon and Mick Foley to put the spotlight on the performers well it was really nice seeing Cesaro and I can't wait to see him in either Shakara or Ring of Honor in the yeah, near future. WCPW, I don't know. Like, yeah. It was scything, and I really hope that he doesn't get punished for it, which is such a horrible... Like, yeah, so because all these... has to be my reaction. All he's done is said what most people who actually really like watch wrestling Most of them like, like Cesaro think. Mm. Like, he's, he's, if, any, if you want to put a a spin on it where it makes it okay that he said what he said from a management standpoint. You could say he was pandering to his fan base. 
Yeah. You know, I'm pretty sure he was speaking his mind, but he was also pandering to his fan base in what he said. So hopefully they can look at it that way and not punish him. But it was just so refreshing to hear that point of view, even if it was by an obviously disenchanted wrestler on yeah. a network-only thing. It was quite funny because he's there wearing his raw shirt as though he's really into it and just looks so sad. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And then it just cuts back to like Booker T and Corey Graves on the panel. <laughs> okay, so... Oh, let's get back to the party line. Uh, speaking of wasted mid-carders, uh, Alberto Del Rio goes to SmackDown and Sheamus goes to Raw. Yeah. And that's the entirety of the draft on the live show. How they couldn't get through the entire roster in two hours... I do not know, uh, because it seems like it's a load of old bullshit. Um, they have to make room for the banter. They, yeah. What they did was they've had too much, like, I hate to say this because it's wrestling, but they had matches that didn't do anything. Yeah, this it's not the problem. The problem wasn't the fact that they had matches. It's the fact they had inconsequential matches. Like, the, the fact that it stopped earlier, the draft, so that they could have a main event of Ambrose versus Rollins for the title was good. And yeah. I also, like, the... Nerd in me appreciated the callback to the first draft also ending early so there could be a title match. Like, that was good. I liked that. But the rest of it was fucking bollocks. Uh, right, let's just crack through the rest of these because they're all terrible. The Golden Truth went to Raw. Before so... the Usos went, which shows how far the Usos have fallen from when they were tag champs for like half a year. When you say, ooh, we say, oh, Smackdown. You're going to be jobbing very soon to American Alpha. Can't wait for that. Should Ta- be a good match series, at least. Yeah. Titus O'Neil went to Raw. Uh, cool. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, I can't... Kane went to SmackDown. After showing the uh, drafters how good he was earlier in the night, how good he was, I'm putting in inverted yeah. You know what I mean? Is he Kane, like, how's Kane still a full-time wrestler? How was Kane eligible for the draft? Like, last time we saw Kane, it was in a comedy skit saying, I was director of operations. I'm corporate Kane again. I should manage SmackDown. He needs to earn no, some that, money. No, that was corporate Kane, not Demon Kane. So were, were they drafting Demon Kane? Yes, I think so. This is bollocks. <laughs> I'm sorry, but he needs to have a sensible job so that he can fund his career of being an accountant. <laughs> you are... You are the best at uh, getting wrestlers on social networks, aren't you, Kev? You are friends, well, linked with Kane. I am in Kane's uh, second network, like, on LinkedIn. So I know someone that knows Kane. That's pretty impressive. I approached the guy who knows Kane, and he didn't know who he was. So I don't know who he is. Yeah, he was like, uh, I don't know. I was like, yeah, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Jacobs. Like, he's, he's like a insurance salesman in America. I was like, oh, maybe. I just accept anyone who adds me. Yeah, what, so I don't know if Glenn Jacobs added this HR director uh, from the UK. What What are his rates like on arson? <laughs> <laughs> I will... If, if I can... I will... No, I don't think I should link him with him. I think that might be a bit weird. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on. Paige goes to Raw. Good. Yeah. Uh, Darren Young and Bob Backlund also go to Raw. What? Number one contender for the Intercontinental title as pick number 36. Ugh. Yeah. Callisto goes to SmackDown. 
we've already covered it. Way to launch that cruiserweight division with the next Rey Mysterio on the other brand. Yeah, because they presumably thought, well, Rey Mysterio sort of was above the cruiserweight division, so we can have Kalisto be above the cruiserweight division. And it's first of all, way to bury the cruiserweights. Second of all, Rey Mysterio was in the cruiserweight division for a year and a half before he elevated himself above the cruiserweight division. And you can't skip that bit. You also spent the entire of Rey Mysterio's heavyweight championship run burying him. Like, yeah. oh. And then, for no reason whatsoever, Botchamania's favourite, Sin Cara, goes to Raw. Yeah. As to be fair, Kalisto's the one that botched his promo. So, the luchas are spreading out the botching. Right. Let's just... Uh, jump through these quick fire. Let's just have a noise from everyone after I read the name. Naomi SmackDown. Yeah. All right. uh-huh. Jack Swagger Raw. Yeah. Tag team with Cesaro. No. <laughs> Ascension SmackDown. Uh, I hope they do something for a change. The Dudley Boys Raw. Devon, get the tables every single week. Uh, Zack Ryder SmackDown. Right. Number one contender for the US title, pick number 43. <laughs> Summer Rae, raw. Tall, white, she... blonde. <laughs> Is she still employed? Uh, Apollo Crews, Smackdown. Corbin's next opponent after Ziggler. Who would have thought before they debuted that Baron Corbin would be pick number, what, 20... 19. Pick number 19 and... Apollo Crews is pick number 45. Racists. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yep, wow. Okay, let's... <laughs> bomb now, drop. I, I'm, let's I'm... move on to another low-picked black superstar. <laughs> Mark Henry, sexual chocolate oh. himself. How is he still... When he was drafted, Kev and I looked to each other and we're like, genuinely, we thought he was retired? Uh, Braun Strongman. Uh, as my notes say here, goes to Raw. Great. Yep. The great Carly again. I can't wait for him to lose to the Undertaker next year. Given given his resemblance to Samwell from Game of Thrones, can we dub Braun Strongman the great Tarly at this point? <laughs> I think we can. Yeah. Uh, Breezango go to SmackDown. If ever an act was more SmackDown than Breezango, I've never heard of it. What do you mean? Because it's a bit lame. It's a bit lame, but they could perhaps be a bit funny. They could be like uh, Al Snow and Steve Blackman going to the retirement home and Al Snow trying to get Steve Blackman to tell jokes to old people. This is the level that I'm at now. I'm really clutching. Uh, Yeah, some pre-recorded segments with Breezango being ridiculous on the live Smackdowns would be amazing. Just do the thing they did on um, Breaking Ground with Tyler Breeze, where him and Ty Dillinger went bat hunting. <laughs> yeah, like, Tyler Breeze... Tyler Breeze had, on Breaking Ground, had everything that Baron Corbin didn't. He was funny, a dickhead, but likeable, and just had everything, like, he was so ready to go. And Baron Corbin was just a dickhead who was slightly taller than Tyler Breeze. And, yeah, Baron Corbin goes on his own and Breeze goes 49th in a tag team. I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard a rumour that after Breaking Ground went out, there was a lot of um, 
people complaining in the WWE booking staff that it had made them look bad because it showed how good Tyler Breeze could be. And by the time it went out, he was already being woefully underutilized on the main roster. That's that's not a complaint you can make about the makers of another TV show. Yeah. That, how dare you highlight how rubbish we are. That's a moment of introspection to go, we're really bad at what we do. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard it and it amused and infuriated me, so I thought I'd pass it on Chinese whisper style. Chinese whisper style. Yeah. So. And I fucked up saying it. <laughs> Bo Dallas goes to Raw. Fine. Anyone like drafted after this point, reevaluate your life. Eva Marie on SmackDown. She she will be on the company. She'll be on the SmackDown pay per view posters, and that's it. To sell the posters to, you know, idiots who don't know how to use Google to find porn. Uh, Wait, you can find porn on Google? Apparently so. Stop the podcast. (laughs) Uh, The Shining Stars. And now, while I was doing the list, I deleted their names uh, underneath it. Because I was just like, everyone knows who the Shining Stars are. But I think they're called Primo and Epico. That's what they were called when they were called Primo and Epico. I don't know if that's still what they're called or not. Well, apparently... Because I don't give a shit about them because nobody gives a shit about them. They're on Raw. They're never going to win a match. Are they going to show up on Raw? Never mind win one. They've only shown up on Raw like once since they debuted, haven't they? Yeah. In a similar vein, the Vaude Villains going to SmackDown. Never going to win a match. Do you remember when the WWE still gave a shit about the Vaude Villains? I it think was... in our Phantom episode, we were still praising the fact that we were impressed that they'd continued to take them seriously. Is that we... all where I lost it for about a minute because I was laughing at... Um... The Whirling Dervish. Yeah. 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 We, we loved the Vaude Villains, you know, an entire Roman Reigns suspension ago. Um, yeah. We were so happy that they'd been taken seriously, and since then... They've, They've drafted been. below the shining stars. <laughs> below Bo Dallas, below Eva Marie. <laughs> Awful. The best thing they can do is go back to NXT and just batter the revival or something. But that's still not even going to happen. Alicia Fox goes to Raw. Eric Rowan goes to SmackDown. So is the Wyatt family still together? Is the Wyatt family split up? Mm. Oh. Is Luke Harper resigned? Yeah. This is Schrodinger's Wyatt. Uh, Dana Brooke goes to Raw. Of course she does. Uh, Smackdown gets Mojo Rawley. What the fuck? I mean, I get it on a few grounds. So first of all, after Zack Ryder's lost, they want to have the hype bros. Yeah. Secondly, he is, from a standpoint of his act isn't the sort of one that gives a fuck about in ring in ring work. He's as ready as he's ever going to be. Like he's got the personality thing down to a T, and he's not the sort of character that the NXT audience is going to take to. So they aren't doing him any favors keeping him on NXT at this point, and he'll work just as well on SmackDown or Raw now as he ever will. So you might as well push him up and see how it goes. Cool. With him and with the other NXT picks still to come, though, I don't. This is why I don't get why they said they were going to do six NXT picks because you get the feeling they hadn't decided on the six at that point. Yeah, because like, just say we're gonna 
picks from NXT are open and we can take whoever we want at any point, not we have to take six. Yeah, because having two of the last three picks be two of the six NXT picks just immediately makes them look bottom of the barrel. Like you, you, yeah. Mojo Rawley immediately is less important to your brand than Bo Dallas or Eric <laughs> Rowan or the basically retired Mark Henry. Imagine being less important than Eric, Eric Rowan, whose name is impossible to say. Yeah. Well, Mojo Rawley already is, and he's not even debuted yet. That's the message they've sent out with that pick. But he's still at least more important than Curtis Axel, though. Yeah. Curtis Axel goes to Raw, whatever. And then the final pick, which is, for my money, the weirdest pick of the entire night. Carmella goes to SmackDown when Enzo and Cass are on Raw. Like, yeah. Carmella How was... Yeah. Carme- she was, at her best, when she was with Enzo and Cass, she had as much charisma as Big Cass did, and Big Cass only had to say a few words, but he is seven foot tall, and, you know... I'll teach you that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, she was the... Per- she really fit with those as a, a threesome. Yeah, and what really bothers me about it is that her and Cass are in a relationship with each other, and so WWE sticks them on opposite touring cycles so that they're basically never going to see each other. It's, it's like, from a basic company HR standpoint, it's just dumb as fuck. Like, there's no other way of saying it. It's dumb as fuck. Was it that important that Alicia Fox was on Raw instead of Carmella? No, no it wasn't. only done that to be vindictive, from what I can see. I think Carmella might just be one of those, like, you know, it always happens that someone who's drafted it, you know, come October, will forget that they were ever on SmackDown, and she might just appear on Raw and it'll be fine, like, we won't reference it. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Carmella's, she's been in NXT and now she's here on Raw, like, forget the time she got drafted to SmackDown on the network, because none of you watched it. Yeah, we made it as forgettable as possible just so we could cover our asses for this exact scenario. They've all been asleep by that point. Yeah. Asleep or drunk. And on that wonderful note, that was the draft. That was the draft. We've forgotten somebody. What's going on with Heath Slater? No, we didn't forget them. Okay. What's going on with Heath Slater? What? Where is he? Heath Slater is left in the locker room without anywhere to go. Uh, Out. Yeah, out of the locker room. I presume that that's just a joke that Heath Slate was happy to play on and he'll be on SmackDown? I mean, I, I'd say it's more like he'd be on Raw just because Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel are on there. Yeah. And when you've got chemistry like that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awful. Uh, but it, it was a kind of light-hearted end to three hours of utter shite. Let's go for the last good pay-per-view until they decide the brand split is a bad idea. You can't bill it as the last good pay-per-view because we don't know if it'll be good yet. (laughs) It could be a really shitty end. It could could be really bad, but it... Yeah. The last potentially good, the rest... 
are going to be bad. No, we can't judge this draft until WrestleMania. That's what Jim Ross said. Yeah. Let's start with Sasha Banks and TBD versus Charlotte and Dana Brooke in a tag match. Um, I think TBD is probably Bailey, and Sasha Banks and Bailey will win. I hope so, but I mean. I get my hopes up about this sort of thing all of the time. So instead of predicting what I actually think, I'm going to predict that it'll be Nia Jax, and this is how they introduce her. And then after the match, she turns on Sasha Banks or something. Because that makes no sense. Yeah, because the one thing the women's division on Raw definitely needs is more heels. Not just more heels, but more out of the blue heel turns. That's what <laughs> wrestling is generally. That's missed. that's what defines women's Inconsistent wrestling. characters, you know, wild cards. It's what they need. Okay, uh, Keb, anything to add on Sasha Banks and TBD? No, nothing there. That's, no. that's fucking boring, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, the New Day versus the Wyatt family in a six-man tag. Sure. Sure. The Wyatt family are going to lose. Yeah, because Our... the New Day are still together and the Wyatts aren't, and they had the Wyatts come out better in the compound match where they wanted to spoof the final deletion. Uh, how the, the fuck? The did... was already far more expertly spoofed by the final deletion. How did we get through this entire podcast thus far without talking about the final deletion? Admittedly, it's because TNA doesn't matter, but... Yeah, Matt Hardy on his own is making TNA matter. Like, I find myself saying it's a dilapidated boat in like daily conversation. No one else gets it, but that's the kind of wanker I am. Uh... Have you? Have I shown you the final deletion, Kev? No. Okay. Oh god. Right. So fertile ground. Okay. Right. So imagine, you know, the Hardys basically took a fuck ton of bumps and Jeff Hardy's always been obviously off his face on drugs all the time. Yeah. Imagine that their whole lives of, you know, abusing their bodies both physically <laughs> and through substances has led to them basically becoming completely insane. Yeah, that's not hard to imagine. Not being part of WWE anymore. And some company that's absolutely desperate for any attention, positive, negative, whatever, who needs any star power they can get, basically says, okay, in your current state, you can book your own brother versus brother feud as long as you do it on our show. And then they proceed to book a brother versus brother feud that sounds like the sort of thing they probably cooked up while they were, you know, like kids playing with dolls when they were eight. They shot fireworks at each other. Jeff and Hardy it... did a swanton out of a tree. It was it was the most it's the most amazing thing. Over the rights to the Hardy name? Yeah. The idea was that <laughs> also Matt Hardy now <laughs> his look He speaks with an English accent. Well, does from he speak South with an English accent, or does he speak with an attempt at an English accent? 
the final deletion is the best wrestling match that's happened this year. <laughs> um, I was completely wrong when I said it was the Fatal 4-Way ladder match. The final deletion has just is changed the scope of wrestling in 2016. I want to see this desperately. It's, it's, it's free on YouTube. Anyone who hasn't seen it, ignore whatever you're doing. Well, you know, obviously it's listening to the podcast. Pause this podcast. Stop, pause this podcast. It, stop recording any podcast that you're currently doing <laughs> and go and watch it. My favourite part yes, of that bit is when Matt Hardy's doing, like, he summons Jeff to the ring, which is in Matt Hardy's, like, the grounds of Matt Hardy's house. He summons <laughs> him to the ring by playing a violin. And he's doing all this, like, incredibly exaggerated this is what a British movie villain is uh, shtick and then Jeff Hardy starts shooting fireworks at him and he temporarily just drops it and is just like oh shit yeah um, the entire setup for the match is that Matt Hardy wants to give his son the Hardy name and to do that he has to delete Jeff Hardy yeah, so that so the the match is set up like everyone's giving Matt Hardy's sons uh, like a first birthday present, and one of the presents is an extraordinary xylophone. <laughs> it's some absolutely mad shite, and you can tell TNA are on the ropes because they went Hardy boys, you're still cool, <laughs> you do what you want, and they went for this. I mean, um, it was one hell of a gamble, but it's paid off because people haven't talked about TNA this much in literally well, years. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen this much talk about TNA since it started in, like, 2005. I know, around the time they first got, like, Kurt Angle, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. so this New Day Wyatt's feud, from what we can tell, was an excuse for <laughs> WWE to spoof that Hardy's feud. Okay. But that Hardy's feud is unspoofable. Like, right. So, the New Day win this match. Eric Rowan gets pinned. For, for the last potentially good pay-per-view, we sure have spent more time talking about this competition <laughs> than this pay-per-view. It's all right. It's going to get good. Uh, Rusev versus Zack Ryder. It's going to get good because we've got Zack Ryder now. I think Zack Ryder's going to get battered by Rusev. That I'm, would make sense. I'm curious to see how much his spine bends. No, he's not Kalisto. It was Kalisto, wasn't it? Yeah, Kalisto's the one who... Like a bloody bendy straw, wasn't he? Yeah. Alright. Anything more to say on Rusev Zack Ryder? Um, it's pathetic how they built this match by having Ryder challenge Rusev to a title match. Rusev say no. Seamus beat up Ryder. Seamus and Ryder have a match where Seamus wins clean. Then Rusev come out, beat Ryder up some more himself, and then accept the challenge. Like, if Rusev wins, it doesn't look impressive because you've made Ryder look like a moron. If Ryder wins, Rusev looks like a complete idiot, and Ryder looks like a lucky idiot. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So we all agree Rusev's winning this one, isn't he? Yeah. Yep. And let us not rock the boat too much. Rope the boat. Uh, the Miz and Darren Young with Bob Backlund 
in the most unlikely pairing of the year, uh, other than Matt Hardy and drones. Uh, oh God, this sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, Kev. drone holograms. Yeah, you, wow. like the final deletion is so up your street. Uh, I can't believe you've not seen it already. Um, I know we're spoiling all the good bits, but I mean, it's the context adds so much. Yeah, uh, the, nothing at the same time. The Miz versus Darren Young for the IC. Uh, remember when we said the IC title actually meant something for a bit? Yeah. yeah. Those were the days. I mean, basically copy-paste what we just said about the Russo's Zack Ryder match, except sub out the talk about how the shit build was shit and bring up how it was shit this time instead. Why isn't Cesaro on this card? Um, because, you know, you only want to put the people that are important enough to be drafted high on the card. But he's so handsome. He's so handsome. He he should be higher on the card. He should be on the card, never mind higher on the card. Is he... Will he wrestle a squash match on the pre-show? We can only hope so. Yeah, he might get squashed by Big Show on the pre-show. No! No! Don't you... That's okay, that. yeah, you're right, sorry. That's of rad. course, I, I take that back. He'd be squashed by Kane, because it would be Kane's last chance to do it for a while, since they're going to separate brands. That's riled me. Um, Becky Lynch and Natalia. I they kind of... They did the initial steps for building the feud, and then they've just kind of had them beat each other up instead of actually develop it or give Natalia real reason behind it or anything. Yeah. I don't know why they're... Feuding, I mean, I know why Becky is feuding. It's because Natalia beat her up for no reason. But emphasis on the no reason bit. Yeah. Uh, presumably Literally. Becky wins, but actually knowing the way that they book, I'm going to change that on the flight and Natalia wins because they'll think that SmackDown's uh, women's division needs a strong heel. Yeah, I think Natty wins this one. I actually hope Natty wins it. Really? Yeah. I like I like Natty, but I like Natalia more than I like Becky Lynch. Oh dear. That yeah. Yeah. Matt me. Moving up the card, we've got John Cena, Enzo Amore, and Big Cass versus the Club, AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson. Um, this match kind of feels a bit pointless now that the club's been split up. Yeah, yeah, it's a match that's really been hurt by the brand split. But can I I just hope that Cena, Enzo and Cass all enter together and Cena plays the Carmella role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been watching a lot of uh New Age Outlaws uh intros in the past week or so just because you know, that's the kind of sad man that I am. And love it. And Enzo Amore and Big Cass are this generation's New Age Outlaws. And I really hope this rub from John Cena does give them that legitimacy. And if anyone's going to break up this New Day reign, I hope it's those two. I think they could do amazing things against the New Day uh, in the promo department and the work rate department. They could be brilliant against American Alpha given the chance. They can probably do a pretty good job against the Dudleys for a bit. Uh, so for me, next tag team champions, Enzo Amore and Big Cass. I think there'll be a transitional champion in between. Just because I think that 
people still really like the New Day and they'll want an uh, actual big pop for Enzo and Cass's first title win. But you can have more than one popular tag team at a time. Like the the time where the tag division was at its best was when they had t- a really great heel tag team, Christian Edge, and two really good face tag teams, Dudleys and the Hardys. Like you can do that fatal three way again if you make a good heel tag team. The club. Yeah, but I, I still just think from a pop standpoint, they'd want to... Um, but if you look at those triple threat matches, it was always the heels that won. Yeah, they love DQs. Yeah. All right. Uh, so who's winning this one? <laughs> I mean... Does it matter like, as long as AJ doesn't get pinned? Yeah, I think it'll either be... Enzo or Gallows that get pinned. But beyond that, I, yeah, I mean, it's like we were saying, it just, the match has lost a lot of luster now that it feels like there's no consequences because either way, AJ and Cena are going to continue feuding and neither of them are going to get pinned in this match. And maybe the club and Enzo and Cass will feud on Raw. Maybe they won't, you know, it's gone from feeling like a legitimate third match on the card and a really cool idea to just kind of feeling like a nothing match that would be the main event of an episode of Raw, which is a real shame because Mm. a week ago I gave a crap about this match. Does it feel massive if Finn gets involved or does that devalue Finn Balor? I don't think they'll debut Finn Balor on Battleground because I think they're going to want to give him his own segment, because they obviously, out of all the new guys, he's the one they really want to push, because they drafted him stupidly early. And his entrance is amazing. Like You can't do a running entrance for Finn Balor when his entire thing is like throwing your hands in the air. Yeah. They they want to make him seem like a big deal. Um, And debuting via run-in, generally isn't a sign of being a big deal. I mean, there are some exceptions, obviously, you know, like Big Show or Sting or whoever. (laughs) For the most part, you you debut in some big angle or at the very least by being highlighted about the fact that you're debuting. Yeah. All right. I think that's just about all we can say about Cena and the faces versus the club. Uh, Let's talk very briefly about Zayn and Owens. This one feels like it's been going on forever. Yeah, I mean, match of the night. Down on that fact because there are worse people that have fight forever. Yeah, like WWE has a few of them already, but I'm I am kind of bummed that they're going to be on the same brand just because the entire point of the feud they've been saying is that they can't stop beating each other up. And they know that it's completely screwing them both over, but they don't care because they just need to fight each other. And like, that's the sort of storyline you can't just stop. Like, they can't just yeah. go to ignoring each other after all. Like, what I don't get is this and the main event feel like huge, huge blow-off matches on a second-rate pay-per-view. Like, it, 
why didn't they just like fuck with the system and move SummerSlam a month earlier before the draft? It like these two matches feel like big blow off end of feud matches. Like the Shield triple threat, people have been wanting that since the Shield debuted, and it's yeah. it's going on this one. Zayn Owens has been brewing for forever. Like they've there was WrestleMania, there was Extreme Rules, where there was the really good ladder match. It's been the Royal Rumble. It it's been they're sowing seeds and like why are they building to Battleground as the big climax to this feud? Yeah, if it like is the climax assumed it was because it was their last chance, like it is with the Shield Triple Threat. But yeah. no, they're on the same brand. So, what the fuck? Yeah, it makes makes no sense. Uh, I would like to see Zayn win this one because I think Owens has come out better in recent times, and Owens seems to bounce back from losses better than Zayn does. I think this the only way you can justify having the feud end, which it really does need to after this is yeah. by giving one of them a victory and then the other one a reason to move on. And the way you do that is you have Zayn win this and then you have Owens, and I apologise in advance for the fanboy internet smart fantasy booking, you have Owens win a number one contender's like Fatal 4-Way or something on, on the Raw immediately following Battleground for SummerSlam. It's got to happen. I don't care if he loses in the you know, the raw title match at SummerSlam, that's fine, whatever. But unless he has a, a selfish reason to stop beating up Zayn, it doesn't make sense for him to give up after losing. And it certainly wouldn't make sense for Zayn to give up after losing. Not and I know it won't happen, but it should. And not just because of Owens is awesome. Obviously, Owens is awesome, but from a logical storyline telling standpoint, they've written themselves into a corner. Owens, for my money, could be the next Stone Cold. Like, he's so good on the microphone, and he's so just... Oh, he's, so, he's just on a completely different level to everyone. He could be the next person that... Yeah, he's a bit of a dickhead, but I like him anyway. He He's that good, and he just needs that platform. So if a loss to Zayn at this pay-per-view means... He gets into the main event fixture on Raw. I'm I'm happy with that because I think if anyone can make Roman Reigns a star, it could be Kevin Owens. Yeah. And is that the way they're going? Who knows? But that's the way I'd really like them to go. But either way, I think Zayn wins this one. But it is his turn. Yeah, basically it's what it comes down to. I just, for their sake, because they're two of my absolute favourites on the entire roster, possibly my two favourites. I Actually, no, I guess American Alpha have been drafted now. Two of my three favourites on the entire roster. And they deserve a good storyline, given that their personal feud has been ongoing for like 10 years. Yeah. Thereabouts. They, they need to stop fighting each other for a bit to have 
a, a match that really means something at a later date with a title on the line or something between yeah. the two of them for yeah. this feud to carry on going. Yeah, the next time they fight after this, it should be for for something extra. Yeah, absolutely. Not like number one contendership for the United States title on the kickoff show or something. Absolutely not. So that brings us on to the final, final match. Uh, we have the the Shield Triple Threat. We have Dean Ambrose, the champion, versus Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. Now, I'm, I'm interested to see what you two think of this one. Like, I can only see Dean coming away with the title. I mean, Kev, I don't know what you think, but I... My personal opinion is that like the club versus Cena, Enzo and Cass, the match has suffered a lot because of the draft. Not insofar as I don't care about the result, but because the result is surely going to be a fudge. Yeah. They need an excuse to have each brand have its own champion. And maybe it's Ambrose wins clean and then... Afterwards, Stephanie or Foley is like, well, our brand needs a champion too, and here's our number one contenders tournament, and the final match of the tournament will be at SummerSlam, and then you build to Rollins versus Reigns inevitably being that final match at SummerSlam. Maybe that's how it goes down. But I think that it's more likely, like more likely than not, that we will uh, see two of the three, Ambrose and one of the other two, both beat the third one at the same time and both claim to be the champion and then both have a belt. Which two would that be? The Ambrose and Maybe Rollins. Tell the story that Reigns is just coming back. He's rusty, you know, he misses his drugs. They were yeah. they were kind to him. And no, Reigns is Reigns is getting pinned in this match. It's a weird thing for us to say so confidently after the last several years. Like, yeah, Reigns will be the one taking the fall here. I I genuinely think Reigns is the one getting pinned. He's. uh, I I agree. Yeah, he's fucked up, and he has, after being so protected for so long, he has really really got to pay and he's got to pay on pay-per-view with two clean pins at least maybe three clean pins if uh Rollins and Ambrose pin him at the same time yeah I mean the rumor mill is that Vince wants to be able to tell a redemption story for Roman Reigns of like him climbing back to the top after getting set back with steroids and while Vince's history of redemption stories is terrible because Cena spent an entire year dicking around basically after losing to The Rock, not being in the title picture basically from his own choice, and then afterwards claimed that his loss to The Rock had ruined the last year of his career and he needed to now beat The Rock to redeem himself. And they desperately tried to make that the story when it hadn't been set up at all. And that's Vince's idea of a redemption story. Even with that, if that is the story that Vince wants to tell with Roman, he can't 
just get the title here. Even by modern WWE standards, that would be absolutely terrible. Yeah. Roman can't walk out with this pay-per-view with the title. The only way he can walk out with the title is if there's a heel turn. And that's almost certainly not going to happen. A heel Roman... Sorry. The most recent match he had with Rollins, he was hinting at it, right? I mean, that's just because he's bad at selling. <laughs> yeah, while we were watching that um, Rollins versus Reigns match at Money in the Bank, one of the things that I think we talked about in the Phantom Podcast episode was the possibility of a double turn. And it, to us, while we were watching, it genuinely seemed like they were setting one up. Yeah. Like, we sensed something was off, because Roman was the one playing the heel throughout almost that entire match, and then Rollins came back and got the triumphant clean victory, and that took us off guard, and it turns out that it was just because of drugs. But it showed me that Roman could be a main event level heel, and it would work. Yeah, Roman has... Roman is a uh, rocky, die, rocky, die, I am the rock heel turn away from being a main event heel. That's all he has to do. And I, I really don't understand the reluctance f- for them to, t- to turn a heel. It's so... To turn Roman heel, they had the perfect opportunity. It was gilded with Seth returning and Roman being suspended the next day for... Uh, for drugs reasons, like have Seth return and then have Roman vacate the title and Seth takes it back and they have an amazing match on their hands when Roman comes back from the suspension and they just seem to miss every single open goal that appears to us. Perhaps there's stuff happening backstage that we're not seeing. Maybe, but I mean, like, it can't even be, oh, like Vince wants him to be a marketable star or whatever because the exact comparison we just made with him is to The Rock and it's not like The Rock lacks marketability you know the have guy have a and type character have the fans hate him have him turn on them for basically call them out on being such horrible people to him and show fire and anger and still get pushed, but be able to get, you know, cut loose on the fans and then they respect him and then he turns face and they love him again is the way they've created literally the most, like, loved character of all time. Star they've ever done except possibly Hulk Hogan. But The Rock was such a screwy champion for most of his IC run, which is when he really perfected The Rock's character and like debuted the if you smell what I'm cooking and all that stuff. He didn't win a match clean at all. He won with uh, interventions. He won from count outs. He won from disqualifications. And like, just let Roman Reigns be a chicken shit dickhead for a bit. And he might well turn out to be the rock mark too. You just can't book him like that's the first thing he's going to be because you couldn't even do that with The Rock Mark 1. No, yeah. Uh, 
So, yeah, predictions for this match then. Uh, shenanigans. I think Dean's just going to win it and they'll just be like, well, it's Raw. It's Monday Night Raw. It wouldn't be Monday Night Raw if we didn't have a belt. So this is, we're, we're bringing in this belt and it will be, we'll have our winner at SummerSlam. Bold version. Uh, Zack Ryder beats Rusev. <laughs> and then they say, well... We've only got the one singles male belt on Raw, so I guess that's our main belt. Zack Ryder, you are the champion of Raw. So yeah, we will be back at some point in the very, very near future. Uh, Hopefully this episode will not be lost to the miss of time like the last one was. Uh, I think all I can say is thank you very much for listening to the K-Word. You can find us on Twitter at K-Word Wrestling. We are searchable on Facebook if you search K-Word Wrestling. Give us a like there. Leave us a review if you like us on iTunes or SoundCloud. And, yeah, that's all I can say. So it's goodbye from me and a goodbye from Kev. Bye. A goodbye from James. It's a dilapidated put.